this morning, like I've said, I want to talk about uh, fitness for the kingdom of God. I think the picture or the view that came into your mind, you imagined a, a sports person uh, of your choice, or of your role model, maybe, maybe like Usain Bolt, uh, when you look at him and you imagine him with his muscular body, and uh, indeed you, you, you see that uh, uh, he is really uh, the, the real model of being, of being fit. It might be your, your rugby uh, uh, role model, the one you appreciate. Uh, when you think about fitness, you think about him. And most of the times when you think about fitness, we think of the gym. Uh, it, it, it's part of us. Yeah. Um, anyway, that picture, it might be fine. Even the Bible says, for bodily exercise profiteth a little. In other words, yes, there is profit uh, in bodily exercise, uh, but it is to some certain limit. Um, this fitness, if you imagine it from that perspective, you will find it is a fitness that you wake out for. It is a fitness that is what we can call legalistic, or you are taking your effort to gain that fitness. The fitness that I want to talk about is the fitness that comes from total surrender to our Lord Jesus Christ. The fitness that becomes imparted on you because of what our Lord Jesus did for us. Let's look to Luke chapter 9 from verse 61 to 62. Fitness for the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 9 from verse 61 to 62. If you are there, we will read. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This imagery the Lord uses to some people they may be, it might be very difficult to imagine what the Lord was talking about. Thank God, South Africa is a country that is now developed. And most of the times when you go out to plow, they were using tractors. And now, to those who are born in this generation, they might know that, they may not know that. In the olden days, people used to plow using cows or using donkeys. I don't know whether it's still there. But there is a plow that is made specifically to be drawn by, by cows or by donkeys. And when you, when you have tied up that plow to the donkey or to the cow, you follow. You have to hold onto that plow. And if you don't hold onto it, that plow uh, uh, can actually injure you or you can uh, get outside the furrow that you are trying to to, to, to plow. I don't know whether you can imagine this. I know the, the elderly who are amongst us will know what I'm talking about. But maybe to the youths, you must go and find out that there is an ox-driven uh, 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 plow that you must handle with both hands. And you have to be 
very sure about it and you have to concentrate if you don't do so you might go into a big root and the root uh, uh, the cows will try and push but they can't and then you coming with the momentum you can get yourself right into the end and injure yourself those who have used the plow I see you, you can identify with me that it is a dangerous uh, uh, business if you are not concentrating, if you are not looking forward. So this is the image uh, Christ is using. And he says, if you are going to plow and you don't put your hands, and you, you put your hands there and you look back, it's not okay. You are not fit to be a farmer if you are like that. You are going to, to, you are going to injure yourself or you are not going to plow nicely. You make, you, you're supposed to look at the furrow and make nice ridges as you are pulling the, 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 the plow. So the Lord says to this man who wanted to follow him, if you do that, if you look back, you are not fit for the kingdom of, 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 of God. Looking back, it means you have lost focus. A man who looks back he has lost focus. The Lord said to this man, if you look back, you have lost focus, and if you have lost focus, you don't know what you are up to. In the Bible, we have got examples of people who looked back. One of them is Lot's wife. There's a very short verse which we find in the scriptures. It just says, remember Lot's wife. Luke 17, uh, verse 32. It just says, remember Lot's wife. To many of you who may not know a memory verse by head, I think this one you will know it. Remember Lord's wife, period. Luke 17, verse 32. Why? Because she looked back. She was supposed to focus and go and run away from the disaster that was about to happen. But her problem, she looked back and you know what happened. Divine discipline followed. She became a pillar of salt. Perhaps that's why the Dead Sea today is a sea that is salt. Maybe Lord's wife contributed to that salt. <laughs> so we, the Bible is helping us to see what it means to be fit for the kingdom. When anybody who looks back, Christ is saying, is not fit for the kingdom. Demas had started very well with Paul. But he looked back and loved the world. And Paul was at pains explaining to Timothy that look what Timothy has done. He looked back. So uh, this is uh, what happens when uh, people look back. But however, today, this part of scripture I'm talking about, its emphasis is on, on, on discipleship. Christ was on his way. And if you look very well in this chapter, a few verses uh, before the one that I've, I've spoken of, I've read, Christ was resolute. He was on his way to Jerusalem. He had set his uh, face and going resolutely to Jerusalem. And he knew that the cross was now, it was time for the cross. And this man comes uninvited my point number one. He comes uninvited and he says, I will follow you, Lord. You notice the other guy, the Lord had said to him, follow me. And then he talked about uh, going to bury his father. 
And then the Lord told him that, nah, let the dead bury themselves. The first guy, he had said to the Lord, I will follow you, Lord. And then the Lord said to him, hey, foxes have holes, but the son of man has no way to lay his head. So in these three instances, this is the one that I'm particularly interested. The third one who comes to the Lord on his own volition, he says, I will follow you. But look at the response that the, our Lord gives to him. Straight away, the Lord says, yes, you want to follow me, but you want to go and say farewell to those at home. And then the Lord says to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. My point number one, you may not follow the Lord on your own terms and conditions. If you want to be fit for the kingdom of God, in order to be fit for the kingdom of God, you may not come on your own terms and conditions. He gave the Lord the conditions. But Lord, glorious Lord, give me an opportunity. I just want to turn back and say to my mom, to my sisters, you know what, I'm now going to be a fisher of men with Christ. The Lord said to him, no. If you put your hand to the plow and look back, you are not fit for the kingdom of God. Does this response show no love and tender care from our Lord? Our pastor has been going with us through several in the book of Mark and we are learning how our Lord is compassionate and full of care. Does this response of the Lord demonstrate his tender care and, and his, his, his love? Is this in keeping with the, our Lord the way we, we know and we understand him? Was he against this family of this man? These are questions that come into our mind. But there is a truth that I want you to see. The truth that Christ is showing us that he had already read into this man's mind. The Lord read his mind. And then he saw that his decision to follow was an emotional decision. It was an emotional decision. He have seen that, ah, if everybody else is doing this, let me also try and do it. It's not coming from the, the heart. It's not a decision of faith. It's not a decision of faith. This man is still far from the kingdom. And the Lord says to him, no, you must be decisive if you are to come with me. Good works, good deeds, do not earn God's favor. There is nothing wrong to go and say to your sister, I'm going, I'm also going now. There was nothing wrong for him to go and tell his father and mother that he was going to be with Christ. So what do we learn here? We learn that good deeds, good works, they don't earn God's favor. Christ is not going to say, yes, you are doing it, you have done it. Cutting back, cutting back on sinful habits that might be part of you does not necessarily make you a Christian. In fact, does not, they will not make you a Christian. You can be among Christians, but still lost. You can be among Christians, but still lost. Because Christ wants you, you, your inner self, to be fit for the kingdom. 
it is, starts with repentance and believing in the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then can you be fit for the kingdom. You can't be fit for the kingdom by just being part of the group. It is starting straight from the heart. This man's heart was still far. He couldn't be a disciple because his heart was far. So in order to be fit for the kingdom, point number one, you must, it must, you must come at Christ's terms and conditions. The terms and conditions start with your heart. You must open up your heart for him to come and become Lord of your life. This guy, he lost an opportunity to work with the master because he did not surrender himself to Christ. So in order to be fit for the kingdom, it starts with you believing you must accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. However, let me give a side lesson that I'm seeing also here. How do we rank our priorities in the light of our faith in Christ? How do we rank our priorities in light of our faith in Christ? The Lord must come first before the family. Amen. You must understand this. Your wife must not come first. Your husband must not come first. The Lord must come first. The Lord must be first. Then, your husband. The Lord, your husband, or your wife. Then your family, then your job, then your church. If you misunderstand that kind of uh, priority, you have a problem. There are people who will make the job first to the detriment of their relationship with God. God must come first. Christ our Lord must come first. This is the side lesson from this part of the scripture that I want you to, 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 to get. God has called us to peace. He has called us to good order. Like what in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 7, 15, is a God of peace. So there must also be order in the way, in our priorities. So if you are a married man, Christ must come first. Then your wife. If you are a married woman, Christ must come first. Then your husband. This must be the uh, 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 the, the, the order. In fact, if you read First Corinthians chapter seven, it is trying to explain uh, 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 these things. We must talk about it so that our relationships become healthy. The love for Christ must exceed all other relationships. At one point in time, in Luke fourteen, Christ says, "If you want to be my disciples, you must hate your your sister, your husband." Your wife, you you must hate your, your your yourself even. You see how the Lord, the image that He wants us to to to, to understand that our love for Him in relation to others, it must far exceed all other relationships. Our love for our God. So this is a taste, a measure of how a, a God wants us a, a, to love Him. Point number two, 
believing in the work of Christ is an individual's choice. I want you to understand this, that to believe it is your own personal choice. The Lord has called you knowing very well your circumstances be they difficult as they seem to be. But believing on Christ is your own choice, your own individual's choice. But however, thanks be to parents, thanks be to siblings who water down the ground and make it easy for the ministry of the Spirit to convert, to make us to believe. Uh, we thank God for the parents who are raising up children so that it will be easy for them to accept the Lord as Savior. But we must know that believing in Christ to be fit for the kingdom, you must make your own personal choice. It is your own choice. Thank God for such people like Joshua who could stand and say, as for me and my household, who will worship the Lord. Thank God for Philip who goes and spreads the good news to Nathaniel. And he says, we have found him. We have found him. Thank God for such people. Thank God for grandmother Lois, who spoke the word to his, to, to her, to her daughter Eunice. Eunice who spreads the good news to Timoth. And finally, we have got a pastor teacher, Timoth, who performed great uh, in the ministry. I'm saying we thank God for people who make it easier for others to see the light. Imagine Joseph and Mary raising up our Lord Jesus Christ as a boy, doing the right parent, parenting to the Lord Jesus until our Lord's time became fulfilled for him to start the ministry. So, believing, yes, it's an individual's choice, but thanks be to the Lord for those who come in and stand in the gap and make it easier for others to believe. So, this is another point that I'm getting here. To be fit for the kingdom of God, the choice is an individual's choice that you must make. And third point, Christ must come first and him alone. This is very important. Christ must come first and him alone. This guy who came on his own terms, his terms dictated that he must first go home. And then Christ is actually explaining to this individual that, no, Christ, I must become first. I must come first in order to be fit. I must come first. That's why I said, the fitness we are talking about is total surrender to the Lord Jesus. Not the one that comes because I'm lifting up weights. Not that one that comes because I've done so many, so much in, in workout. The fitness that Christ is talking about is the one that he gives to you by your total surrender to his work. So Christ must come first and him alone. Now, in, come, in Christ coming first, we must be aware that there are several excuses people might give 
not to serve. There are several excuses. And these excuses, many as they are, may seem very, very reasonable. If you listen to your heart, you may miss an opportunity. Wasn't it correct for him to go and tell his parents that he was now going on a journey with Christ and maybe you might not come home? That's reasonable, isn't it? And then why would the Lord turn around and tell such a man with such a nice valid reason that uh -uh, if you have put your hand to the plow and you look back, you are not fit. You can't be my disciple. Go back, you can't be my disciple. We must see as, as, as Christians that many a time we have to deal with such kind of uh, uh, conflicts in our life. We must go back to our Lord's experiences and find how he dealt with such uh, situations which would almost like conflict with his uh, service. You find our Lord Jesus Christ in the temple as a boy, as a young man, as a young boy. The boy defies his, his parents. They are supposed to go back home, but he defies his parents. When they are after a day's journey, maybe by this time they'd almost got to, from Rustenburg, maybe they were in Marikana or somewhere, maybe close to Brest. Then they realized that they are walking and going back home from Jerusalem, but Christ is not with them. As responsible parents, they, became, they started wondering what has, come, what, what has happened. And they had to go back to look for uh, the little boy Jesus. And what happens? They found him in the temple. Let's look to verse 41 to 46. They found him in the temple. And when they found him in the temple, they asked, uh, uh, why did you trouble us all? Then he said, didn't you know that I was supposed to be in my father's temple? Listen. He was there, busy, listening uh, to the teachers and asking them questions. This is a conflict. And the conflict, how the Lord resolves it, is, is it, it was much better for him to, to be in the temple than to be walking home with others, isn't it? So I'm saying one of the uh, ways we might decide situations that are in conflict is the glory must come to the Lord. What brings glory to the Lord is what must come first. What brings glory to the Lord is what might come first. There's also open defiance that he does when the, his mother and his brothers and his sisters, they come looking for the, for the Lord. And when they ask him, Lord, they, are telling, they, they want to talk to you, they want to see, and how does he respond? He says, my brothers and my sisters and my mother are these ones whom I'm talking to. In other words, when a situation presents itself and you it is like conflicting the glory must be given to that decision that gives glory to the lord this is how we can resolve such kind of uh, of conflicts my point number 4 fitness for the kingdom requires also a conscious daily uh, 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 radical decision on our part to follow our maker. 
we must make a conscious daily decision to follow uh, uh, our Lord, to focus on Christ uh, and, and his grace. This is very important. I have stressed that our fitness will not come from our own ability. It is fitness that comes through total surrender to Christ. You surrender yourself and Christ will make you fit. We don't work out for it. That's why I said, if you imagine it from a perspective of an athlete, he works out for his fitness. But in our case, we surrender ourselves to our Lord, and it is through that surrender that Christ makes the best out of us. As disciples for Christ, Christ makes the best out of us. However, there are some few practical ways that might help us to remain with our hands on the plow and looking to Christ as our focus. Here are the practical uh, few suggestions that I, am, uh, uh, that, I, that I take from a small booklet written by C.J. Mahani, uh, which says the cross-centered life. In the cross-centered life, Mahani suggests a, a five, I make, I make them six, uh, uh, small steps that will help us to keep ourselves on, in focus. If we don't keep in focus, you must be careful. Like There is also discipline that can follow. That is if you are a believer. If you are a believer, there can be divine discipline that follows. If you look back, if you haven't believed, your first step is to believe. And only then can you become a disciple for Christ. Here are the, uh, uh, the six uh, steps. I, I make them six. Number one, listen carefully. Uh, I want you to, to, to get this. Uh, number one, preach to yourself. Amen. This is what Jerry Bridges uh, 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 suggests uh, in the book quoted by C.J. Mahani. Preach to yourself. Preach to yourself. Wake up in the morning and tell yourself, Christ died for your sins. Christ died for this man, this man in the mirror. This man you see in the mirror, Christ died for this man. Preach to yourself. This is to try and help you to conscientize you that you must stay fit in this way. So, such simple statements that you speak aloud to your heart, that you speak aloud to your heart, will help you, remind you what you are. Christ died for your sins. Talk to that man in the mirror. Hey, Christ died for you. Number two, memorize the gospel. You must memorize the gospel to stay fit, to, came, to, to carry on. We don't want to look back. We don't want to look back. So how do we keep in course? Memorize the gospel. Start from somewhere. Uh, I've been struggling because my memory is not so sharp and so good. I forget easily. But however, I, I constantly try. I've been memorizing scripture here and there and there. This week, past week, a few weeks ago, I was memorizing, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalms 8 verse 1. You see, I can recall it now. And it, I, I feel good in the Lord. 
<laughs> so memorize scripture and, and, and it will help you, it will talk to you somewhere. For ye, for our sake, he made him to be seen who knew no sin. Isn't it? So that we may be the righteousness of God. I'm quoting a scripture, isn't it? So memorize scripture. I don't know how I can emphasize this. It will help you to become handy. It will become handy. Number three, pray the gospel. Pray the gospel. Let your prayers uh, 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 reflect the gospel. So it is easy. The gospel must be the, the center of your prayer life. Let the gospel be the center of your prayer life. This will help you to keep feet, to keep in the, in, in, the, in the course, you know. This will help you because you have believed in Christ. How then can you say you have believed in Christ whom you don't know about? So, we must pray the gospel. Number four, sing the gospel. Sing the gospel. He will hold me fast. We have been singing it, isn't it? These words will start ministering back to you. So sing the gospel. The gospel will, by singing the gospel, reminding the truths of the gospel, you will stay in focus. Number uh, five, review how the gospel has changed you. This one is very important because it helps you to keep track. Take stock. You see, Paul, after so many years, he could stand and say, Christ came to save sinners of whom I was chief. Before I met Christ, I was like this, like this. And this is the development that has come up. So we must review the gospel. Review the gospel and see how God is working in your life and how God is using you. Finally, study the gospel. Read the Bible through. Acquaint yourself with Christian teaching. This will help us to keep fit. This will help us to keep stock. Isn't it? Review, study the gospel. Study the gospel. These are the points that can help us to stay focused. To stay focused, looking at where we are going, how we are making the, uh, the, the furrows, how we are planting, how we are plowing. This is what can help us because Christ used the imagery that we know of for our benefit. He never just picked up this willy-nilly. He picked it up because it is real meaning in our life that if you don't concentrate on the plow, if you don't concentrate on the handle, you will make a mercy of the plow. You can injure yourself. It can be disastrous to you. In conclusion, I urge you, my brothers and my sisters, do not look back. We don't want one day for you to become a statistic that we used to worship with him and he looked back, see where he is. We don't want you to become that kind of statistic. We have started a journey which will uh, end when we meet the very Lord of glory face to face. Let us be zealous as disciples of Christ. Let us grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forevermore. Amen. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful scripture that we find in Luke chapter 9, verse 61 to 62. Just as you ministered to these men who wanted to be a disciples, but had other things 
as priority. Please, Lord, help us never be found in such a sin where we put ourselves first. Help us, O oh God, to put you first in our lives. Thank you for teaching us to uh, keep focused on you. For we've prayed in Jesus' name, O oh Lord. Amen.